0: Um, let me just pray before uh, we begin, shall we? Let me pray and ask for God's help. Father God, um, we praise you for your words. We praise you that you're a God who speaks to us. Father, we recognise the truth in the words of that song that we are indeed uh, needy souls. And we ask then... That as you come and speak to us today, that we would see more of ourselves and we would therefore um, end up praising you, glorifying you for who you are and what you've done. Please help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Why... Am I so self-centred? Why are you so self-centred? Why do we only think about ourselves? That's what we've seen, isn't it? Uh, over the last couple of weeks, throughout chapter 6, when you think about it, that we've seen self centeredness And the question is, why? So why is it after Jesus has performed these amazing miracles? So, so you know he's 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 stilled a storm, he's raised a girl to life. Why is it that people from his own town reject him, trusting themselves, thinking that what uh, they know is best? Why is it that after uh, Jesus has fed 5,000 people from almost nothing, the disciples still don't see who he is? You know, in the strong wind uh, on the lake, as we saw last week, they see him walking on water, and instead of trusting him, they're terrified. Now, of course, we can ask ourselves the same questions, can't we? So why is Camborne and Papworth full of people who have rejected Jesus before they've even considered the evidence. Why is it that we follow Jesus and we we know who he is, but actually we're so slow to trust him? Why in difficult times are we full of fear? Why... Do we stumble in the same ways again and again and again? You know, you kind of resolve to pick yourselves up and try harder. I'm going to live for Jesus today, but before we know it, we've stumbled in exactly the same way that we thought we never would do again. More than that, why don't we treat others as we ought to? Why is family life such a stress and a strain? why are we never satisfied with what we have why do we so often think that we know best why are we so self centred or to put it another way why is our world why are ourselves the church so full of sin what's the problem well well the answer is one that we saw bri- very briefly last week. The disciples uh, saw Jesus coming towards them in the boat. Uh, they were focused on themselves. They were terrified. They do not see who Jesus is. They do not understand what he's doing. And in chapter 6, verse 52, we see the reason. It's because their hearts were hardened. Their hearts are the problem. Now, when Jesus talks about the heart, he, he, when the Bible talks about the heart, it doesn't mean the kind of muscle that, that pumps the blood around your body. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's talking about yourself, it's talking about your soul, the very core of who you are. In other words, the reason that we so often fail to trust Jesus, the reason that we're so self centered, is because of us, because of our hearts. See, the one big thing that I want you to see this morning is that the heart of the problem is our hearts. The heart of our problem is our hearts. It was shown briefly to us last week in chapter 6. Uh, that was the problem for the disciples. This week, in chapter 7, we see, actually, that's the problem for everyone. The heart of the problem Is the heart. See, this is Jesus does two things. Firstly, he exposes religion, Jesus exposes uh, religion. So we see this with with a group of people who think that the problem of sin can be resolved by religion, by religious activity, by doing stuff. You see them there in verse 1. They are the the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They knew the Old Testament uh, well. And you could describe them together. If you put those two groups together, you could describe them as the religious leaders of the day. And they gather around Jesus, and verse 2, they saw... have a look at what they saw in verse 2. They saw some of his disciples, Jesus' disciples, eating food with hands that were defiled. That is unwashed. So there you have Jesus' disciples kind of munching away on some food. They haven't washed their hands. It's exactly the opposite to what all the religious leaders do, Uh, okay? And what the religious religious leaders would say is absolutely essential. So have a look at verse 3. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So you see, here you have a group who wash everything. And it's not for hygiene reasons. Did you see that? That's not what they're concerned about. It is a ceremonial washing. In other words, it's a wash that they consider to make the utensils and the food and themselves and their hands pure before God. Acceptable to him. Now... Ceremonial washing was uh, an Old Testament practice. It was commanded, a, a high priest needed to wash before he went into where the, the place where God was dwelling. Um, same thing with certain food. If you were eating like a dead carcass of certain animals that experienced death, then you needed to go through this ceremonial washing. And it wasn't that, this is really important, it wasn't that ceremonial washing dealt with the problem of sin, That's why they had to keep doing it again and again and again Rather, what it showed was that a holy God could not naturally dwell where there was sin and death There had to be some kind of purification first But that kind of ceremonial washing was always going to point to something else something bigger But the leaders here love their ceremonial washing so much that they've actually gone beyond what the Bible says so the things that have been passed down through word of mouth they've been twisted and that's why uh, they are now washing anything and everything they think that if they don't wash even before eating bread then it would leave you defiled somehow the bread would make you unacceptable to God and verse 4 says they have many traditions like this. They thought that this is what would deal with their sin. You know, it's, it's on the outside. It's the outside that's defiled. And so if they just do this, if they just wash everything around them, then actually they'll be okay if they just stick to those traditions. But you see, what we see here is their religion actually just causes them to look down on other people. You see that with the way they react to the disciples. Have a look at verse 5. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, "Well, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Now look, that, that, is, not, that is not a genuine query. What, what they're saying is your disciples can't be very godly. They're not doing the right thing if they're not doing what we're doing. Why aren't your disciples more like us? That's what they're saying. You see, to go to a kind of a tick box mentality, if I just do this and that, it will all be sorted, will start to make you think that you're, you're perfect. And actually the problem is just everybody else around you. Now, of course, they could have it all right, couldn't they? Jesus' disciples could be making a horrific mistake. They, they, it, this could be the reason that actually they've been so slow to see Jesus, but that's not what Jesus thinks. Have a look at what he says in verse 6. He replied, verse 6, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people, they honour me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. See, Jesus quotes this prophecies from Isaiah. It's a, it's a pronouncement of judgment. If you go back to Isaiah 29, it's a pronouncement of judgment on God's people because what, what they were doing, they, they carried out all these religious practices, but they were hypocrites. That means they just acted. They went through the motions, but it was all just an act. You know, it had no genuine love for God at all. And Jesus is quoting this to say, nothing has changed. They do their, these people, they do their religious things. They honour God with their lips, and yet their hearts are far from him. Now, that doesn't mean that their hearts thought nothing of God. It means that their hearts hated God. It means that their religious activity meant they rejected God. Have a look at verse 9. He continued, You have a fine way of, of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honour your father and mother, and and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is Corban, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father and mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. So you see, what's going on here is the law of God requires the people to love their father and mother. Uh, to provide for them, to care for them. But there was this Jewish tradition that was, that, was, that was passed down that said, look, the funds that are set aside for your parents could be declared Corban. Okay, That meant they were reserved for the Jewish temple. Now, here's the thing. You didn't have to give that money to the Jewish temple. It just meant that your mum and dad couldn't have it. It was re- now reserved for the temple. And so it just made you look as if you were doing the right thing. Made you look as if you were doing a holy thing. It's just like the washing, it's a tick box thing, and in doing so, they reject the command to love, to give, from their hearts. And they have many traditions like these. You see, by keeping these things, by doing this tick box stuff, they reject God. Their hearts are far from him. So you see, this inter- in this interaction, Jesus exposes their religion. They act; they seem to be doing the right thing, but it's a total waste of time. It's like this—you um, know—if you imagine, it's like this big present, this this whack and great big present, it's wrapped up. Uh, and uh, this bunch of people have kind of wrapped it up, thought about it themselves, passed it on to you, and it looks great, doesn't it? It's a wonderful gift. It's massive. It comes to your house. It will sort everything out. It even comes with a set of instructions that will make life easier, and here's the thing when you open it up. It's completely empty. gets you nowhere. gives you nothing. It doesn't result in any heart change. And yet it seems so attractive, doesn't it? It seems so attractive just to go through the motions, to tick the boxes, you know, if I just if I just go through the motion of reading my Bible every day, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what it, what it does, if I just do it then surely that will make me more acceptable to God. Or surely I, I can attend church every week you know, if I just turn up every week and I, I put on my Christian character just for a couple of hours, if I just act well, I'll heal, and I'll, I'll, I'll even I'll sing, I'll honour God with my lips, but then I'll go home and I'll just return to normal life. Yeah, you could do these things, you can do these things. You, you can, you can stick to many traditions, and you can do them all apart from Christ. You can do them and completely reject God. Because God never says, read your Bible. He says, live the Bible, put it into practice. He never says, get to a church service. He says, you are the church. So, give yourselves to one another. Love one another deeply from the heart. Start with your own family. You know, and if we think only in terms of religious activity, can you see that only ever makes us more self-centred. It makes us think that the problem is outside of us and we ourselves can solve the problem. But it never does. You know, just like the Pharisees, the reason that people in Cambourne and Papworth reject Christ is never because they don't do enough stuff. Yeah, you know, it's never the case that they need to do more and they'll be okay. If they just come here then they'll be okay. Their hearts are far from God. Just like the disciples, that the reason that our lives remain such a mess sometimes, that the reason that we're so slow to see Jesus is never because we don't do enough. You know, it's never because we don't do enough religious stuff. We we see here that will never change us, that will never change our hearts. Now the question is why? Why not though? You know, Why is it that the religious leaders have it so wrong? Well, well, Jesus explains for us. Having exposed religion for what it is, he then explains why it's no good. The second and and the final thing we see this morning is Jesus explains sin. Jesus explains sin. So having had this interaction, Jesus calls the crowd to him Have a look at what he says in verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and he said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. What he's about to say is not just true true of the Pharisees or the disciples. It's true for all people. He wants everyone to hear the words of verse 15. Have a look at those. Nothing outside of a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. See, Jesus says the problem is not outside of you. The problem is inside of you. Now, the disciples are slightly confused. So they ask Jesus about this and Jesus makes it clear in verse 18, all the more clear. Are you so dull, he asked, do you not see that that nothing that enters a person uh, comes from from an outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but it goes into their stomach and then out, out of the body. You know, this is why the religious leaders, what they're doing is useless, because what you eat doesn't create your sin. It doesn't cause your sin. Nothing outside of you causes your sin. So to try and do something to what's outside of you never deals with your sin. Sin is on the inside because sin comes from the heart. Verse twenty, have a look there. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within a person, out of, from within, out of a person's heart. The evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, le- uh, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside. Just think about it this way. Uh, this, is a, this is a fairly widely used illustration, but I think it makes the point really well. Just have a look at this um, cup of water. Okay, now watch very carefully. Now, the question is, why did the water come out of the cup? You can answer that. Because I shook it. Have a look very carefully. Why did water come out of the cup? Because the water was in the cup. See this is the hard truth that Jesus is saying, you can do good stuff, but sin is inside you, it's inside your heart and you might be able to keep a lid on it for a few hours, sometimes even days, but when your world is shaken, in some way it all comes spilling out. Sin comes from your heart. You see, it's not simply doing bad stuff. That's not what sin is. If it was, you'd be able to deal with it. Sin is a heart problem. It's inside of you. Let me illustrate this with um, one of the sins listed here in verse 22. So this, this, American, this American pastor called Paul Tripp, uh, and a writer, and he tells this story of a family reunion. And I don't know how you feel about family reunions, but he describes his as wonderful occasions uh, with a great deal of sarcasm. And um, he goes to this particular gathering as a child, and at one point in the evening, he starts talking to his uncle, and his uncle is extremely drunk. And what he does, he's slandering, he's absolutely slating, with all kinds of obscene language, other members of the wider family in front of this kid. And um, he's just laying into these people in a way that Paul had never heard before so as he's standing there and kind of staring in amazement his mum realizes what's going on grabs him uh, throws him into the car and then drives away telling him to never repeat what he just heard now Paul Tripp he reflects on this and he says what he came to realize over time is the alcohol did not cause this man to slander others the alcohol simply loosened his lips to reveal what was already in his heart. Now that's the case, isn't it? For any of these other self-centred sins that Jesus lists here, you know, take, um, take lewdness or, or lust. Uh, so take Adrian. He's a guy I made up. Adrian is single, but he finds himself daydreaming about someone inappropriately, someone who's married. Uh, Becky is married, but finds uh, that things are are difficult in her relationship, so starts fantasising about being married to another person. Uh, Craig has a wife and children, but he's addicted to pornography. The reason that these things happen It's not because their circumstances leave them lonely or without intimacy. It's not because pornography is there and you can access it. It's not because a marriage isn't going so well. It's because their heart is full of lust. Their heart is full of their own wants, their own desires, their own self-centeredness. You see, the problem is never outside of us. The problem is us. Sin comes from the heart. That's why religion, that's why acting is useless. That's why we're so self-centred. Now look, this, this truth is hard for us to take. I, I think, it's, it's, it's really hard for us to take, but I think this is good news, this is really good news. If we grasp this truth, it pushes us away from hypocrisy. We can be honest with ourselves, we, we, we can start to genuinely change. So imagine, just imagine this, this, this scenario, let me, let me explain how this is good news for you. When you get up in the morning, for one reason or another, you haven't had enough sleep, you come down the stairs and you just want a slow start, a quiet morning, some peace, and yet everyone in the house is demanding, just so demanding. Children are whinging and fighting, your spouse wants a hundred things done, and uh, if you don't have uh, your spouse or kids, maybe a wider family member comes around and asks you to do something that's utterly ridiculous, that ruins your plans for the day, and at some point, you just end up losing it with these people around you. Now look, it's easy to go away and think, uh, uh, you know, and come back and say something like, I'm sorry, I know I was grumpy, but you shouldn't be so demanding. Or it's easy to say something like, I'm sorry, I'm just tired. Or, I'm sorry, I didn't mean what I said. It's easy, you see, all of those things, if you say any of those things, the problem is outside of you. You shouldn't be so demanding. It's outside of you. I'm tired. It's it's my sleep that's a problem. No, actually, what I should say, if sin comes from my heart, what I should say is I'm sorry, I'm a sinner. And I did mean what I said because it came from my heart. Please, would you forgive me? That's what we should say. And let me tell you, you wouldn't believe the difference that that will make, not just in your life, but in the lives around you. As soon as we realise this truth, we stop trying to change everyone around us. We stop trying to find solutions outside of us. We stop, I stop, acting. And instead, what do I do? I I go to Jesus. Because if the heart of our problem is our hearts, then, then only Jesus can deal with it. Only Jesus can give us the heart transplant that we really need. That's what we'll see next week. That only Jesus makes our hearts clean. That is how amazing Jesus is. That, that he wouldn't, would, you know, we would never be able to sort ourselves out. And yet he is willing not to take just the things we do, he's willing to take ourselves, he's willing to take our hearts at the cross and change them. He knows the depth. our hearts and yet he loves us. So we go to him. Don't live life apart from him. Go to him. Go to him in your relationships. Go to him as you go to church. Go to him as you read your Bibles. Do everything seeking him and admitting that you need him to change your heart problem because the heart of the problem is your heart. It's my heart. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we uh, recognise this morning that we are confronted with um, hard, hard truths that, um, that our very, the very core of our being, our very hearts, what is inside of us, is our biggest, greatest problem of sin. Father, please, would you help us to uh, accept this truth? As hard as it is, would you help us to to, uh, know that our hearts are absolutely bent against you? And... We pray, Father, that as we do that, we would end up rejoicing in Your Son, and all that He has done for us. Please help us. We pray for Your glory. Amen. Um, so we will have a time for kind of questions and discussion. Uh, and if uh, is, 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 we we've kind of realised it's been quite fruitful for. Uh, just to give you a couple of minutes, so chat to the person next to you, maybe something that struck you or something that you want to change or or something like that, or uh, if you don't want to talk about it, maybe you just want to think or pray uh, yourself, it's up to you. Uh, If you're on a table on your own and you want to move to talk, great, if you just want to stay out the window, fine, but we'll have two minutes and then we'll have some questions and discussion, that kind of thing. Okay. Are there any anything that anybody at all wants to say or to contribute? It could be a thought or a question. Uh, yeah, far away. If not, we'll sing. Ah, Stephen. Um, we, we thought it was really challenging what you're saying about, um, kind of, well, the analogy with the water. Yeah. Actually, you know, w- when you get annoyed, it's very easy to say, "Oh, I'm tired," etc. You know, actually, you know, it is a sign that we've got that anger within us, rather than yeah. it being a situation that's to blame. So yes. Yeah. yeah. No, thanks. Yeah, and I, I, I think the, the thing is. Um, that 's really helpful Stephen thanks so Stephen was just saying how actually that 's really challenging that the it 's not you can 't blame a situation it 's you um, now the thing is that 's challenging not here it 's challenging in the moment that that 's when I find it challenging because my heart is so bad that I, e- I, I even though I know that my heart is the problem, I want to blame other things so it, it, in the in, in the moment where um, uh, some, something gets in my way, and I flare up in some kind of way. I want to, I want to blame what's outside of me at that point. And th- that's, where, that's where we've, we've, we've got to think to ourselves, remind ourselves of this, this truth. Actually, it's us. It's our hearts that that, that that flare up was there. It's just the circumstances just reveal it. Um, so that, that's, I think that's the challenging thing for us. Not, not here and now. Not even on a Sunday. It's easy to put our face on on a Sunday, isn't it? It's when you get home, and you're behind closed doors. You know that's that's the challenge. Um, yeah. Okay. Anything else, Megan? Yeah. seeing ourselves in a positive light of actually I'm sinner saved by grace so I yeah. think keeping spirit that yeah it does yeah and I, I think um, Megan that I mean that's, that's a really helpful question so again for the recording Megan's saying how do you balance this thing with your um, identity in Christ the fact that you are so as God looks at you in Jesus you're perfect in every way and yet we know we struggle with this we know our hearts sin remains in our hearts and and uh, and this this is a heart problem. Now, I don't think those two things are not they're, they're not separate things. They're not they're not opposed. So what we should what should happen is, as as I as um, my sin is revealed, in some way, um, how do I reflect upon that? Now I could I could I, I could do one of th- one of two things. Uh, and there's something I should do so I, cu- I could just mourn and weep and think I'm such a terrible person this is awful and God doesn't love me and all this kind of stuff that's not true I could think oh it doesn't matter not a problem that's not true because it does matter God hates sin and um, what I should do is I should look at the cross and think I've seen that in me and I can't believe you did that for me I can't believe you, 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 you died for that sin and you love me uh, amazingly and that you see me as perfect even though i've just seen that about me and and what that will do is you look at the cross um you will you'll will come to realize as you see the depth of your sin you'll come to realize how amazing his grace is and you'll love jesus more and more and more um does that does that make sense um, so I, I would say it, th- this is a reality. Every time you see it, look at what Jesus has done for you, and you'll only love him more. You'll only see how amazing his grace is. And I think that's really important for us. I think, you know, grace is not grace without sin. Grace is only grace when we remind ourselves of how sinful we are, and yet the, ex- the, the amazing t- extent to what G- how Jesus has loved us um, yeah that's that's a really helpful question thanks uh Megan. Um, okay anything any anything else yeah. great well look i i think um yeah let's keep talking about this and um reminding ourselves of it uh, that'd be good but we're going to sing now um